And I feel like the sweet spot is actually almost like looking at the, the woman's cycle as this third, like I, I, I often say the relationship is like a third entity. You've got person A, person B, then the relationship. It's almost like you could put the woman's cycle as this third entity that you're working as a team on. What can she do? What can he do? And what can they mm. do as a team to support that? Because when that's nourished well, it's like everybody wins. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 218 of the Well Woman podcast. Today on the show, we actually have a little bit of a different guest. I am joined by a male and for very good reason. Today on the show, we are talking all about how to develop a thriving romantic relationship with a cyclical woman. Yes, that is right. How can we have thriving relationships when our cyclical beings are throwing us from our fertile high peak time to the low depths and descent on our way to menstruation? and right through menstruation. Now, a few weeks ago, actually, I spoke in a liberating love course for this particular guest today to help educate them on the menstrual cycle and how we can bring in more of awareness and abundance around relationships and the cycle. And after chatting with him and his beautiful group of people, I knew I had to ask Tully O'Connor to come and join us on the show. Tully is a committed father and husband who has a deep passion for supporting people to access their full creative potential in life, love, and leadership. Since 2017, he has been supporting couples and individuals to build the solid foundations of a connected, secure, and intimate relationship. Through his transformative coaching programs and events, Tully supports his clients to cultivate more confidence depth and fulfillment in every area of their lives, particularly in relationships. He's known for his down-to-earth approach and Tully speaks about complex, intimate issues with ease, clarity, and humor. And you are in for a taste of that today. If you want to go and check out Tully as we're talking throughout this episode, you can head to Instagram and look up Tully, T-U-L-L-Y O'Connor, and you can get to meet him and his beautiful passion for thriving relationships. So in this particular episode, we are talking about why do we ch- like why do we have challenges in relationships and why are we actually good at relationships to begin with and then how can we be good at relationships. We talk about his experience with his partner Kat and we also talk about men's roles in relationships, females' roles in relationships, female independence and the the fem rising culture that we have and Tully shares with us his core pillars for foundational and fundamental thriving relationships. I learned loads in this episode and Tully is an amazing person. We connect very well and we love to go on different rants and you are in for a beautiful treat with this episode. Tully, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Gemma, thanks for having me. I'm excited to to dive in and see see where we go. I think we're going to go to some really juicy places. The conversations we've had before have been quite juicy and people are probably listening to this thinking, why is there a male on the menstruating podcast? (laughs) But this is for really good reason. So before we jump into it, I normally ask our, you know, menstrual guests, what day of your cycle are you on? How are you checking in? But as we all know, men don't have a 28 day cycle. They have a daily cycle. So right now it's 
uh, mid-morning for you. I was going to say, mm-hmm. yeah, we're behind, you're behind a bit. So, yeah, it's mid-morning for you. So how are you checking in right now in this moment of the day? Mm. Um, mid-morning, I'm checking in. I feel pretty good. Yeah, like I love mornings is where you want to chat to me, evenings. <laughs> I'm definitely an early riser, start the day, get most of my work done as early as I can. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good at the moment on top of a base of feeling pretty fatigued, to be honest, like been doing lots of traveling, lots of burning the candle at both ends. Um, so yeah, there's that, that's there a little bit, but yeah, this morning I've had a nice long black with cream and I'm feeling pretty good and ready to dive in to a chat. He's finally landed in a place he's going to be for a few weeks and he's like, Oh, I'm, I've yeah. arrived. And then he's like, shit, i got to do this podcast interview. So great. Thanks for being here. <laughs> um, now, a lot of people are going to never have heard of you, Telly, and they're never, mm-hmm. like, they don't even know who you are. Why would I be talking to you, especially mm-hmm. as being one of our very minimal male guests on the show? Um, but a couple of weeks ago, I spoke as a guest teacher in your relationship program, and I educated both the men around the menstrual cycle and the females around the menstrual cycle. So, to give them a bit of a backstory of who you are, tell us who are you, what is it that you do, and how did you get into doing it? Mm, okay. I'll give you the short answer. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a coach. So um, I work with in, with couples in relationship and, and work with men as well. Um, long, windy road to get to doing what I'm doing. I've been working as a coach and facilitator for the last seven, yeah, seven or eight years. Prior to that, I was a physiotherapist um, and just my curiosity, it would probably be the answer to that, my curiosity around humans, around transformation, around relationships, around what it takes to live a fulfilling, vital, enjoyable life. So that's what kind of led me to be a health professional. And I just was bumping into a lot of limitations. I definitely got a very thorough understanding of what it takes physically to be healthy. but I saw working as a physio, there was so much to the mental, emotional side of the coin that just wasn't very well understood. And so my curiosity around that led me to explore various alternative paths. I walked many windy roads and, yeah, was lucky enough to study under some great mentors and kind of found myself in the coaching space. Um, And then, yeah, I just I always had a real passion for relationships from a, a personal standpoint and, and professional standpoint. So personally, my parents split up when I was 17. So the day I finished high school. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, I know. So that, that was quite a, um, at the time I didn't realize it was that moment in my life, but like looking back, I'm like, oh, that really had me just questioning kind of like, what's the point of it all? If your relationship falls apart, if your family falls apart and um, all that kind of thing. And so I was very much like, study, go to uni, da, da, da. And then that popped up and I was like, hang on a second. And then I looked around and a lot of my friends' parents were either split up or, you know, just not that stoked. And I was like, hang on a second. There aren't that many examples of thriving relationships that Mm. stand the test of time. And I'm like, what's going on there? Why is nobody talking about it? And why are we in general as humans, not very good at this seemingly important skill? And so, yeah, that led just a very long deep dive into understanding relationships and learnt from, you know, relationship psychologists, studied Tantra, all of these different things to try and form my map of what it takes to develop a thriving relationship. And 
then that turned into coaching. I didn't want to decide I wanted to be a relationship coach and then set out to do it. I kind of was just exploring it um, as I went for my own benefit. And then that turned into sharing that and yeah, putting frameworks together and, and supporting other people to, yeah, to live more meaningful lives with more connected relationships. Mm, I love that. And so I've been typing, I've got a few questions I want to ask around that, but before I do, were you someone that was always in relationships when you discovered that link about final day of school, parents separating? Were you like a man um, who was always in a relationship or were you a man who was like, oh, I like being promiscuous? Nah, I was more geared towards relationship. Yeah, mm. for sure. I was um, I was probably at my most promiscuous when Kat and I met actually. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and she reined me. She reined me in. But it was <laughs> like I was definitely, I had a couple of long-term relationships and then was, was single for, for different parts of my, my 20s. But, yeah, I would say I lean more towards the relationship side of the coin. Mm, and for those who don't know, Kat is Tully's beautiful partner. And you mentioned that, you know, there's many different reasons why people aren't just good at relationships. And I'd love to ask you, like, well, why aren't we really good at relationships? Yeah, good question. Um there's lots to it. Like the first thing I would say is it's just not modeled that well for us. Like we learn a lot of these things. Um, I've got my three-year-old just tapping on the window outside. Sorry. Um, Hi, dad. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, we, we don't get modeled. So much has changed, right? So what worked in our parents' generations, if it worked, doesn't work now. So even if we had a great model, right, let's just say we had a great model. Our parents had a beautiful relationship. So we've learned what that looked like through that modeling. Maybe we weren't even told, but that's how we learn these skills is through modeling. The, the, the life they were living and, and the lifestyle they were living is so different to the lifestyle that we live now. And so everybody is flying blind without a map. And Fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, it's hard, right? Mm. It's really hard. And so, and then let's just say, if you didn't have a good model, which lots of people didn't, it's like, we didn't have a good model for what might have worked then. And now the landscape is completely different. Stress, there's lots of stress, which makes relate relating really hard. Right. And so we're flying blind in hard terrain without a map. And so that makes it difficult. Right. <laughs> That makes it really difficult. And, and so um, the other thing is just culturally and societally where we're not set up to prioritise the family, the relationship, right, where we're set up to prioritise output and, you know, paying the bills and doing the things. And so relationships get put on the back burner and what we don't nourish and put energy into, of course, it's not going to do that well. And, and you see that hugely in the transition into parenthood because the relationship gets even less of a look in. And so it kind of makes sense. It's like not this great mystery. It's like, well, it's actually pretty obvious, <laughs> you know? It's like it's not getting nourished and it's really, really hard. So, of course, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, wow. It's interesting. I love what you mentioned about modelling because, like, I'm the oldest of four children. My parents are still together. My dad just had his 73rd birthday and they got married on my mum's 21st birthday. Amazing. And it's interesting because there's 11 years between them. And, you know, I would openly talk about 
this with my brother who's next born about like, God, they're just, sometimes I think they'd just be better off on their own because they really clash a lot. But I think they're, and I love you, mom, love you, dad, if you're listening to this, but you know, <laughs> some of their um, relationing is stuff that's shown us what not to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the flip side, my mum's one of six children. And I remember growing up with, you know, all these other aunties and uncles who had a mate in my mind as a teenager, amazing relationships. And then I found out that my, my godparents were separating. I think it was like 16 or 17. I was like, <gasps> if they can't get through their marriage, then I'll never be able to do it. You know? So it's interesting. The modeling is not always just your parents, but also people who are you know, really close around you. And I think I love what you mentioned about flying blind is, you know, it's hard in the terrain without a map, you know? Mm, yeah, and very w- much What so. is the map? Yeah. Like, what is the map? And priorities is a, is a great thing. So I'd love to ask you about that. But one of the things I would really love to hone in on is the relationing with, with this is for heterosexuals, but it does apply, I believe, for, you know, all types of relationships because, it doesn't have to be opposite sex because same mm. sex, you know, still have a math, a masculine and a feminine dynamic, mm. but relationing around the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. is a really big one. And I'd love to ask you in your experience working with couples, but also maybe even your personal relationships experience, current, amazing and past, who knows what they were. <laughs> um, but as, as a male, what is it? like for the average male relationing with a woman when he's got no idea what she's going through with her cycle? Mm, yeah, good question. For the average male, um, well, I'll speak for myself and just maybe hopefully I'm an average male. So that gives, I won't speak for all <laughs> I think men. you're above average, but we can go, <laughs> I we can go with above. <laughs> I, I won't speak for all men, but I think it's, um, yeah, it's hard, right? Because my, my lens for it, and I guess this is personal and professional, but like is our, our vitality and our physiology affect our ability to communicate and relate so much. And our hormones affect our physiology so much. So for me, it was quite a natural link that, oh, a woman's cycle is going to impact her and therefore our ability to communicate and relate. Like that was a fairly, I guess I was in health and I was that way inclined. So it was a a logical step for me to make, but to have, it it still didn't mean I was like, just until this relationship, I didn't have a thorough understanding. I tried to have as much understanding and compassion as I could previously, but didn't know what was really going on because I didn't ask really. And to be honest, I don't know how much previous partners knew about their cycle and all of that. It just wasn't really talked about. It was just like, you could tell when you get to quote unquote, that time of the month, thing gets, things get more challenging. Try to be as compassionate as possible. Like that was the extent of it. Um, and then, yeah, with Cat, we'd, I just started to learn more about it. And I came across a book and this is the one I, I mentioned to you, um, Beyond Mars and Venus. And um, that was- yeah. Yeah, how health relates to relationships. And, and part of that was understanding hormones and the woman's cycle. And I was like, holy, wow. It was like getting to look behind the curtain and, and this understanding of all this stuff that's going on that I had no idea about that was so helpful, just understanding the basics of the cycle, what's happening, what's supposed to be happening, and just how out of whack that can actually be. And then what that's doing 
Because more often than not, uh, one thing I would say a lot working with couples is the issue is really the issue. It's like, oh, we're having this disagreement about this thing. And it's like, yeah, that's probably not the actual thing. You're probably both just stressed out of your head. And because of that, you have created this fight about this thing. And it would, it would always be confusing to me when there would be some sort of conflict and then three days later, it's like it's a non-issue now. I'm like, what the mm. hell would happen to that thing that you were just so passionately annoyed about and you're not anymore? And so it was like, yeah, this curiosity about it came through, but it was, I think, yeah, once I started to learn more about it, and it's not like I became an expert, just learning some basic stuff was helpful enough to then all of a sudden, rather than this being a thorn in our side, this became a way for us to work as a team. Mm. Yeah. And so right, like just letting go of any ignorance or, and I think that's the other thing is, is guys, it, it, it can be easy to be like, Hey, that's for you to worry about. It's, it's your cycle. Um, you deal with it, you know, not in a judgmental way, but it's like, there's only so much I can do. Right. And it's kind of fair enough in, in one respect because, hey, it is, it's not their body. It's not their cycle. It's not. But then it's also just abdicate. It's very easy to abdicate responsibility in that way as well. And then it's also from a woman's standpoint, it's like, hey, you need to support me because I'm going through this. And I'm like, that's kind of abdicating responsibility as well. And I feel like the sweet spot is actually almost like looking at the, the woman's cycle as this third. Like I, I often say the relationship is like a third entity. You've got person A, person B, then the relationship. It's almost like you could put the woman's cycle as this third entity that you're working as a team on. What can, what can she do? What can he do? And what can they mm. do as a team to support that? Because when that's nourished well, it's like everybody wins. So Definitely. I love that analogy. I've I've heard that a lot with relationships that, you know, the relationship is the third entity and that you guys are each individual entity. So there's three people to look after here, yeah. not just each going at it. Um, but it's fascinating to think about the menstrual cycle like that. But I love how you mentioned that, you know, once you just learn a little bit about the differences of the cycle, then it opens up a whole new avenue of like, oh, I never thought about it like that. Or that makes oh, that makes so much sense as to why you're like this at this particular time of the cycle. And I think that often men, and this isn't stereotyping all men, but from working with hundreds and thousands of women, a lot of the male supporters in heterosexual relationships are like, well, he's just told me it's my problem and I need to deal with it. Instead of going, hang on, well, if we're in a rich relationship that we want to be enriched, then how about we work on this together? Because if mm. I know it well, there's no point at me knowing well if you don't also understand it or know it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that also makes sense on the journey of conception because it's kind of like, well, this is your thing. You deal with it. And then it's all like, oh, but we want to have a child and we would like to start a family. Oh, hang on. I want to know about that thing now. Or that's important for me to know about now. And I think when we think about conception, there's a lot of pressure, and this is a bit of a rant on a side angle here, but there's a lot oh. of pressure from men about contraception and contraceptive. So, um, so avoiding pregnancy being put on the woman when ultimately mm. the woman's seed is inside her, whereas the man's seed comes outside of him, pardon the pun. So <laughs> it's really is like a, 
I think it's a dual relationship and a dual responsibility, but so much pressure is automatically said, well, you know, we're not trying to conceive right now. So you should be on the hormonal birth control pill so mm. that we don't have to worry about it and I don't have to wear a condom. And I've met so many women in my natural fertility practice teaching them natural contraceptions where the partner's like, nope, I don't want to wear condoms because they're uncomfortable and they don't feel good. So you need to go and sort this out yourself instead of being, hang on a second, why don't we learn about the cycle together so we can actually amplify our sex life and our sexual mm. connection, which changes, amplifies your relationship. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, yeah, I just think it's a complete abdication of responsibility. Like to just, to think that, the um, conception to think that contraception is just the woman's responsibility is I don't have too many men in my life that think that. So it's like still every time I hear it, I'm like, there's still so many people that think Mm. that way. But to me, that's just ridiculous. Um, Yeah. And yeah. So, and I also learning about the, like the birth, the pill, and what that does and can do. And just from, you know, the, the mate selection and all of these things, like let alone what it's doing to the woman's body and all this stuff. Yeah. I've got, I it's could, very, it's very multi-layered, isn't it? It's very multi-layered. And so my, my thought is like, if you're a team, be a te- like, if you're not, all of that is like this me versus you, this is yours, mm. not mine. Well, it's actually all, all of yours. Like it's all both of yours. Cause you're a team. And as soon as you start doing that, like that's unhealthy in a relationship, I think. Very. Yeah. Yeah. It and becomes so, a bit projective too. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you said, oh, I'm just going to leave it to you to deal with that. And then all of a sudden now we're trying to make a baby. And then it's like, oh, I should understand this. It's like, yeah, well, we should have, it's all connected right? Because mm. if, you, if you're ignorant to that, you're going to be ignorant to the conception process. You're going to be ignorant to the pregnancy process. You're going to be ignorant to... So it's almost like women's health or quote unquote, or what happens with women's physiology. You know, in what world should you not know about that as a partner? Like, how are you going to be able to support? How are you going to be able to... Yeah, it's just, yeah, silly to me. But I, I, And I get it because I bet it wasn't talked about in their household. I bet, you know, they've had no idea growing up and guys, like if they know nothing about it and there isn't a place where they're going to be taught about it, they're going to be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Surely Mm. you know about this, even though the female partner might not really. So it's like, I get where it comes from because it's almost like a fear or not probably going to be able to get it right, like a a resistance to it. So Mm. I understand that. And do something about it yeah like like sort that shit out man yeah yeah it's it's yeah so it's like it's a yes and it's a i i understand where it comes from and we get to all do better do you know what Mm. i mean it's like this it's not on the men it's not on the women it's not it's like ah okay we're all maybe a two out of ten at this when we could be an eight out it's like what do we do to get a little bit better you know like rather than trying to figure out whose fault it is and who's to blame and what's to blame it's like let's all just agree that we can all get better and start Mm -hmm. to do that do you know what I mean like yep I do yeah I'm so tired of the trying to figure out who's most wrong or who's you know who's doing the least amount of this and this hierarchy game, like it's still 
we're still playing this old game that we think we're beyond and so many people aren't so many conversations aren't beyond it mm. you think you are because you're using fancy progressive speak but it's like if we're in this me versus you game we're not going to actually progress we're going to create the illusion of progression without actually getting anywhere i want to go dip on that for a moment but i just want to go back to what you said that it's also about the responsibility is like no, no no it's your responsibility to know your body and to know your cycle and that you tell me when you're ready to not conceive or to you know to not fall pregnant yeah and um it's really like that whole and that's not healthy it's no one can say, hang on, if you unless you, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that I'm using my hands. But if you're listening to this, you'll see I can't, you can't see I'm using my hands. Um, but talking about that whole you versus me, I often find a lot in my work with women in us in session that I'm bringing up like, you know, Melissa Ambrosini calls it like comparisonitis. So like the mm-hmm. comparison and the competitive nature of, you know, you deal with that or versus mm. I do with that, or I'm doing that better than you. Mm. And I feel that the systems that we live in, in majority of the world today are about go to school, you're either good or you're bad, or you're mm-hmm. tall or you're mm-hmm. short, you're fat or you're skinny, or you're fast or you're slow, you're first or you're last. Like there's so much I feel in our um, era that, you know, like 70s, 80s, 90s babies, mm-hmm. there's so much pressure on that. And that as we evolve into this new world of the 21st century, we're like, hang on a second, but we don't have to be like that. So why do mm. I have to separate myself from my partner when we could actually come together? And as my mom has always said, it, you know, with a family of four kids, that it all works out in the wash. Yeah. You know, you do the dishes three nights this week, your brother will probably do them three nights next week. Like mm-hmm. it all works out in the wash. So going deep into the conditioning of society and how that might be playing out in relationships today, what do you see? Yeah, I see um, I see that a lot and I see that thing is at the source of most conflict and disconnect and disharmony in relationship. It's, it's my, the intention and the impact, right? So somebody, I might have the intention to... Um, ask Kat a certain question to understand her better, but I do it on a, a certain day of the month or I do it when she's at a certain level of stress or I do it in a way that's actually harsh, even though I didn't want it to be harsh, but it was harsh. So the impact was not what I intended and there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. So I have my experience of like, hey, no, this is what I meant. And she has her experience of, hey, no, this is what I'm feeling. And those two things are often and always going to be different. And when we live through the lens of right or wrong, we are fighting to prove which one of those is right, is the truth. Was it the impact on Kat or was it my intention? And the answer is both. Both of those are valid. And until we can live with that paradox, because it it seems like that can't be true. Well, because like I didn't want that to happen. So if it did happen, if Kat did feel bad by that thing that I said, does that mean I'm a dick? Like, and I don't, well, that's, I didn't want to hurt her. So I'm going to hold on to my intention rather than understanding and just embracing the impact that it had. And so uh, holding both, right? Like mm. it's, yes, it's fair enough that guys don't know much about this stuff and they're resistant to this stuff and we can do better. Like it's holding these both, the bothness of it, which is hard for our mind to do because our mind, the nature of our mind is to separate things. 
and to judge. That's what it does. That's how it keeps us alive. So it's doing its job, right? And if we just let it do its job unconsciously, it'll keep us alive, but it'll keep us disconnected. It'll keep us probably pretty lonely, probably pretty unhappy. It doesn't care for that. That part of our brain doesn't care for that. And going back to the very beginning of the conversation around stress, when we're stressed, the part of our brain that separates things and judges things like we're talking about, that's the part that dominates. Mm. So until we can actually learn to regulate ourselves and access different parts of our brain that can access compassion, that can, that can see both sides of the coin, because when we're stressed, we cannot. So we're often we're trying to have use words to communicate when both of our bodies are just stressed and we're never going to get anywhere. So it's like learning to regulate before we communicate. You do, do you know what I mean? Like I do. Otherwise, I do. Yeah. I totally do. Yeah. So there's so much there. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause and let, let you come in. <laughs> um it is there is a lot there and I'm just having a little chuckle to myself because I think of times, you know, with being my partner is that a way to envisage or visualize the stress is that it might be like, I had a really stressed day with workload and he had a really stressed day with workload, or I had a stressed day with my family and stuff going on in my, you know, my upbringing family versus him having a, a stressed day at work. We've been separated all day. We come together and then we're like, want to talk about a particular thing. And we've got two completely different stresses. But then when you're in that point of conversation where I'm trying to say something with intent and then he's had a stress day and it, you know, blows up into a different proportion. He hears it in a different way. Yeah. You enter this tap out zone and, you know, I love you, baby, for listening to this, but B gets into this and we all have our own individual things, but he'll get into this zone where he kind of shuts down a little bit and he can't actually hear what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. And he feels like it's more of an attack instead of me you know, I could even be saying it calmly. And so he just turns off. And so the stress is amplified. It's like putting fire on a massive bonfire. And that's what we call timeout. You know, we're like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. We need timeout. You need to go and self-regulate. I'll Mm. go and self-regulate. We have our own self-regulation tools and we call 20 Mm. minutes Mm -hmm. and then we come back. And that self-regulation is then giving you the opportunity of recognizing like, actually, wow, today's been really hard on me or it's been very overwhelming. And I actually do have a bit of irritation at my parents for saying something. And I actually projected that irritation on B. So Mm -hmm. how can I take ownership of how I'm really feeling and checking in? And, you know, I could go on a rant, you're the relationship person, but it comes back to the identifying that, hang on, I need to self-regulate right now because even Mm. I don't know how I'm feeling or how I'm checking in. And, you know, that's why I feel it's really important for women to track their cycles. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, how did you start this transition with CAP when you started to learn about this yourself? I feel that women tracking their cycles, but keeping it in a, I was going to say a public location, but in like an <laughs> open location in the house, like I Instagram think flip, live constantly, yeah, <laughs> just live stream 24 <laughs> seven. Um, like COVID once was anyway, moving on, um, but maybe keeping it on the fridge or in the bathroom, or, you know, maybe if you share it like a dresser or something in your bedroom, mm. keeping it present and visual, like visually visible for both communicative parties so that everybody knows where you are in your cycle. So it's not a surprise when you get to that, like you said before, inverted brackets, time of the month, yeah. you're like blowing the house up and no mm. one can talk to you and you just 
fucking pissed and you're like, you yeah. don't fucking get me and you're or just wanting to end the relationship. And yeah. like, I think, I think I don't, I don't know if this is for me anymore. You know, like, it's p- yeah. probably better if you leave because yeah. I'll be better on my own dealing with yeah. my own shit. Yeah. But we can then see the repet- the female can see the repetitive patterns of her menstrual cycle. Okay. Every day on day 23, this is where she hits the fan and I go to blow mm-hmm. up at this time. Mm-hmm. Then the masculine side or the male partner of the, of the relationship can see, okay, we're entering that phase. These are times of the day where I, or times of the cycle, sorry, I might choose to see my friends on those nights instead mm-hmm. of staying at home and give her more yeah. space. Or I might decide that there are times where I don't put pressure on her and I actually, that I'll cook those four nights of the whole month and she can do the rest or whatever the plan yeah. is. But actually making it, like you said, the teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the dream is that we live in harmony in both parties as a relationship with a cycle, but to make the dream work, you need teamwork. So how did you integrate this kind of work with Kat without it being about Kat's cycle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure she won't like that, but yeah. how did you bring this into the relationship? Um, good question. Because I think like something like that would have been super beneficial. Like we weren't that... Um, I think Kat used an app and I know you, when we had the training and you um, shared your wisdom with the the group in um, Liberating Love, you mentioned the the benefit of doing a paper tracker versus an app, but I think Kat was using an app and it just became a, a point of conversation or just became a point of curiosity. I'd just be like, where are you at? Like, so I wasn't necessarily tracking it, but it was very open dialogue to be like, where are you at? what support do you need kind of thing. And, and so mm. that, to be honest, was probably the extent of it. And then it was learning, okay, I know, I just learnt, I kept it simple. Like in the first week of a cycle, what's one thing I can do? In the second week of a cycle, what's one thing I can do? In the third week, like that's as simple as it was. And then often life would get busy. I'd be busy with work and I wouldn't even check in for three weeks. And then there would be tension or there would be a fight that didn't make sense. And that was my trip by As soon as there was something happening in my relationship that didn't make sense. And I was like doing that face, like the, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> then I'm like, ah, where are we? Not from a place of judgment, not from a place of, are you on your period? Like it was a curiosity, like, where are we? What's going on? Ah, there's where we are. Ah, okay. That probably makes sense. I'm probably not even going to try and resolve that argument we were having because it probably isn't going to be there in two days. And I'm just going to, maybe that's how I can support or whatever it may be, you know? So it was just having open dialogue, I guess, to summarize it and put it in points, having an open dialogue and then having at least one thing I can do to support Mm. in each sort of phase of her cycle. And then just asking, asking her. And that's where the responsibility of was on her. Cause a lot of women I find in a lot of the work I've done, voicing a need hey can you help me with this is actually quite challenging so hard (laughs) and and my favorite motto that I have come up with that I will plant the flag and that's the hill I'll die on is we either proactively express our needs and desires or we reactively express our resentment and frustration Mm. you get to choose either figure out what you need and get good at asking for it or don't and then just reactively get pissed off and resentful one of those two things is going to happen and we get to choose and that's not just for women that's for everybody but in this situation it's like get really good at knowing 
like this speaking to the women, I know I'm supposed to be, you know, speaking to the men, but speaking to the women, get really, really good at knowing what you need, how you can provide it. You're not going to be able to do all of it. What your partner can do to help. And then the secret source, what your friends can do to help. The sriracha. What, what, your, yeah, <laughs> what your therapist can do to help. What, you, what outside of your relationship bubble, because things can get codependent. And then, you know, if, if women aren't getting support from their friends or other sources, then it's all on the guy. Like that's a big burden to carry as well. Mm. Likewise, if a man's only emotional outlet is their partner, you know, so then they become the therapist, that's not cool either, right? We need to expand the circle. Everybody talks about building community and then yet we still relate like we don't have a community. It's, it's not going to work. And so spreading that out and, and having the conversation be around, because I knew at some parts of Cat Cycle, I was the worst person to support. I could have done the best things. I could have cooked a five-course meal standing on my head while running a bath and doing all the things, and she still would have been like, get the fuck out of here. Like, fuck I don't want to see you. Yeah. So it's like, oh, she needs women now, not me. So it's like, actually, you could, you could know all the stuff and your partner still isn't going to be able to fulfill it all, nor should they. Mm. So it's, it's understanding and learning what roles we're actually supposed to be playing and realizing we need a bigger team than just the two of us. Totally. I love this so much. This is such an important point because when it is just the two of you, that's where it can come, come back to, well, I'm right, you're wrong. It's like, no, 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 I'm right. You're wrong. It's very, yeah, it can get very messy. And I think. Claustrophobic. It's like. Oh, great word. Great word. And I think sometimes having a friend, you know, like, you know, my bestie Ams, you know, sometimes she'll call yeah. and she'll express with me something that's going on in the relationship or in the day of her life. Like what it could be anything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, be honest. Am I in the wrong thinking here or is this, is there something else going on that I can't see? Because she's so, I call it this quicksand. She's so fucking deep in the quicksand that it is sucking her down. She can't even recognize it because there's so much other stuff going on in her life. And I'm like, oh, actually, if you just reach out and take my hand, I will pull you out. Mm. And so I think exactly what you've shared about having more people in the circle is so vitally important. And I love, um, I call it relationship development. Mm-hmm. You know, my partner and I, we go, um, I call it, it's not, I guess you could call it therapy. We have a counselor awesome. and I call it relationship development. Just like people go, well, I do personal development. Yeah. I'm like, well, we dedicate our time to do, you know, relationship developing so that we can continue developing our relationship. We've been doing that since the sixth month we've been together. Amazing. And it's only because Brenton loved therapy for so many years after being in, you know, going to war a couple of times in the air force. So I was like, sure, let's go do that. And it's been so fundamental at us getting to know each other in a very deep way. But when it comes to the cycle, women having other people is so important. And Mm. often it's the woman who can see something else that's going on in the relationship, especially if you know the couple well, not just the singular person well, that you can say, hang on, I think you need this. And a great example of that, and I'm sure you've got many, is that probably about a month ago, I could, or maybe two months ago, I could see that there was a bit of tension around having, you know, a 10 month old baby. Things weren't aligning. There's a lot of irritation going on in, you know, my bestie's relationship. That I was like, you know what? I could see a free day in my schedule. I emailed, I emailed, I text the partner Ryan. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, plan something to do with AMS for this day. I will take your son for the whole day. 
and you guys just need to go and do something together because I could see that they just needed to have time without being parents for just mm. a snippet, you know, and eight hours of them just doing the things they love together was so enriching for the next two months, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think having the village or the community is is about, not just always just being the person on the phone, doing yeah. extra things. So do you have people in your life that's like that too? Yes. Like, and we have, and I think you can get away with it before you're a parent. You can get away with a bit more codependency. You can get away with it because there's enough space in your life to kind of figure stuff out. As soon as you become a parent, that space no longer exists. And space any, space. <laughs> any codependencies that are still there. And it's this was a huge realization for me because I was doing this work before we became a parent. I was very aware of codependency and where I where we could tend to sit on that spectrum and all of that. And I thought I'd done that work, quote unquote. You have to do it all again when you become a parent, by the way. Everything. You're like, oh, I thought I'd worked on that. <laughs> My trigger's but, rising yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. But this one is huge because you you cannot do it alone. Like you, you, you can't. And so the lone wolf, the the part of you that thinks you can do it alone has to die, has to burn. Because otherwise your kids are going to cop it. And it's, I don't know if it's just for men, if, if women get it as well, but there's very much this lone wolf, you know, be the guy that can do it all, don't ask for help, blah, 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 bullshit, 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 that runs really deep, right, really deep. And if, yeah, so, and the thing is, you don't just suddenly, oh, I want community around me and then magically have it. Like that shit takes work. That shit takes building like trust and like so that's something that Kat and I, we probably put more effort into our community than anything else in our lives. Like our little family unit, first and foremost, and then our, our community, we, we put a lot of effort into nourishing that um, and have always, but especially since we became parents, like it just mm-hmm. went to it. Cause I just saw it so clearly. I was like, Oh my God, like, yeah, this is important. And I saw it because I worked from home. I had a very flexible schedule um, and I was like, oh, this is still hard. Imagine if I was work, working 40 hours a week, like no chance. And, commute, and commuting 40 oh, minutes there and back. Oh, like I have so much compassion, like for the relationship struggles that show up post-parenting, which is lots, by the way. So if you're in that boat and you're struggling, trust me, 90% of parents in the first three years are. And it's the, the key is community. And it's hard. It's, it, the challenge is most people are so tapped with time and energy that the thought of building that or forming those new friendships or whatever, because maybe their old community doesn't align anymore. And it's like, it's hard. And I acknowledge that. And what's harder is going another two years, not developing it. Mm. So yes, it's a sacrifice. Like it takes time and effort and energy to do it. Nothing will have a better ROI than putting energy into building community around you or finding community and contributing to community like if the thought of building community is too much for you i guarantee there's some community even if it's a small group around you that you can go and contribute to and and become part of or or whatever it may be but prioritizing that is just it's a non-negotiable in if you're playing the long game right in the short term it might not look like the best use of your time in the next two months or whatever but as soon as you zoom out a bit and you play the long game and how you're going to be as a parent and where your relationship's going to be at and and all of that. It's just, it's a non-negotiable in my book. And it's, 
yeah, like in the relationship course that I run, it's in the very first module. It's one of the core pillars is the village because you can do all this relationship work and do all the things and have all the communication tools. And if you try to do it alone, you're fucked, basically. <laughs> Up shit creek without yeah. a paddle, without a boat, yeah. with crocodiles and sharks yeah. and anacondas. <laughs> and it's only a matter of time. You might be good now. It's only a matter of time. And going back to that example you shared with Anne's like getting on the phone to you and just being like, hey, more often than not, what I find is people don't even need advice. They need an ear. They need to be like, oh, oh, you're stressed and you're pissed off about that. That's fair enough. Oh, cool. It's fair enough that I feel this way. Because <sighs> more often than not, we hold on to that feeling until our partner validates it. We don't know we're doing this, but we're like, I'm going to stay ragey until you validate my raginess. And if our partner's in their own rage or defensiveness, that it's going to be hard for them to validate it, but it's going to be really easy for one of our friends to. And then as soon as we're validated, we're like, oh, it's fair enough that I feel this way. 90% of it dissolves. And then we can actually be with the issue, if there is one, at the core of it. And yeah, yeah. So many layers in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just taking a deep breath. The village one is like, um, yeah. Very passionate about passionate the village. About it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Especially with the whole transition into parenthood, into fatherhood, into motherhood, into all of it. And then it's like going back to the, again, the very start of the conversation, the, the modeling we got, we're supposed to get modeling from many other people. And like you say, you did through aunties and uncles, but this is transitioning into talking about parenting a little bit, but who do I think I am that I can give my son everything he needs? to develop as a man like like as what a cross to carry that is like oh my god no he needs the uncles and the aunties because i'm one flawed human doing my best and i'm going to be great but i'm not going to be enough and that's where the village comes in as well as we grow depending on how old you are or how old your kids are when you're listening to this it, it just gets more and more important over time and yeah so that's why I get so fired up about it. So I'll conclude my rant. There. It's a great topic to get fired up by. This episode is proudly sponsored by USANA Health Sciences, my number one nutritional supplement choice. I've been using these products and paying to use these products for well over 10 years because their quality far exceeds the rest. Yep, they're manufactured to a pharmaceutical grading, which means they're made to the highest standards of manufacturing for nutritional products in the world. Personally, every day I use these products, just a part of my healthy regime, just like brushing my teeth. I've found their products to really be transformative for my own personal PCOS journey, keeping my skin radiant, my energy balanced, and a healthy digestive system. Every day I use the prenatal cell essentials because I believe a prenatal is a foundation for all types of cycle health, not just for preconception and pregnancy, a mercury-free fish oil, a probiotic to support my past leaky gut experience, and of course, a magnesium calcium with vitamin D. This blend is fantastic for my inner autumn and I always take a little bit more before I begin bleeding so I have a smooth transition into my next menstrual cycle. To learn more and try these products and discover them for yourself, I have a cheeky up to 20% discount for you. Head to gemmalee.usana.com to learn more and save. That's gemmalee.usana.com. you were talking about independence and like the the lone wolf 
and it's very understandable for society to see that in men because it's like the innate nature of the masculine man but females and this is to go we could literally this could be a four-hour podcast episode it won't be don't worry I will let you return to your normal day but when it comes to the females back in the early I don't know whether I mentioned this in Liberating Love back in the early 1900s or 1900s is that women couldn't even have a bank account. They couldn't even buy yeah. a house. And we go back to the time in the era where, where women couldn't even, they could write, but they couldn't publish anything because they weren't men. And so women didn't have these rights in inverted brackets and they weren't seen as equal or given similar opportunities. And there's a lot of pain in the present world where females still feel that, whether it's because, you know, a past soul would lived that or whether it's because of the red thread. And so we live in this fem rising, anything you can do, I can do bleeding, female independence, where it was mostly the females who were the community village builders and the men were still the wolf pack, right? But we forget that now women are really marketed to be independent and to do everything on their own and you know, like free birthing is great, but what if you also have beautiful women around you who can hold all the things oh, for you and, uh, you know, massage yeah. your shoulders and your head and get you the hot towel and, you know, like entertain your kids who are in the next room and make sure the playlist is right and have someone drum for you. Like all the things that, you know, it's, well, there's a lot of like, I can do this on my own. And I think that that part of you really has to die so mm-hmm. that you can be like, okay, how can I actually ask for help? And you know, I'm not yet a birth parent, but even me and my business asking for help is a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more you can practice as a female and as a couple asking for support from people around you, like, hey, we're moving house. Can you come help us pack? Mm-hmm. Hey, can you, you know, we're moving house. Can you bring us our first night's dinner? Like little things like that. It's going to equip you for when there are kids and children around and yeah, this is such yeah. a deep, deep topic. But have you noticed any any fem, you know, independence around the the feminine? Oh and- yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why I said like it's. I spoke to it in men, like the lone wolf, um, but it's like just it's just humans. Like it's like I'd say it's just as strong in in women. Like I'm not a woman, so I don't know that, but I can imagine it's just as strong to. And my my thing is like just just because you can doesn't mean you should and that's the like just because you can doesn't mean you want to like I think the thing is and like and like you say and and it's a fair enough like that there's this anger and that there's this over striving for independence like I have like compassion for that like you know you, you only just touched on it for a minute but like where we've come from and like it's outrageous, right? So the fact that there's anger, the fact that there's this wanting of hyper-independence, like I fully understand where that comes from. And just because you can do something, that doesn't mean you want to. doesn't mean it's best for you. doesn't mean it's best for the family. Does it like, and I think this is where like choice comes in and bringing it back mm-hmm. to a relationship is uh, being a team and making team decisions. And there's a lot of talk, like I love, having an understanding of like the masculine and feminine dynamics. And I also think it's taken way out of context and just people are reading books and then parroting things. And it's like, yeah, like even the concept of leadership, right? Leadership in relationship for me looks like walking side by side, holding hands. 
it's the capacity to lead when I need to. Mm. And then knowing like Kat's better at some things than I am. So sometimes I'm going to follow and take her lead. And it's, it's not, it's just understanding that what, where are we? What's our unique relationship? What are our unique strengths? What's our setup going to be? How, who's going to earn the money now in this season? And it's more about just having conversation, choice, teamwork, clarity around our vision, what we want to create, and then working together, however that looks, because we're, we're lucky to live in a time where it can look however we want, yes. right? And that comes with challenges because as sucky as it was to have these traditional roles, at least there were roles and it was clear. Do you know what I mean? It still sucked because lots of people in roles they didn't want to be. And I'm no, in no way advocating for that, but there's a light to everything. And the light to that is clarity around roles. The struggle for most people now in relationship is there's lacking clarity around the team, the roles, who's doing what, like, and, and how long for, and, and how, are we, how are we doing this? Like the challenge that comes with, I guess, freedom, if you want to use that word, is that we need some structure as humans and in a relationship. And it, we need to create that ourselves because it, it could look a million different ways, depending on people's occupations and jobs and all of that. But like for Kat and myself, we both uh, have been self-employed for a very long time. And so we need to create that structure based on what works for us. And that's hard because sometimes I'm like, I would love to be splitting the income earning responsibilities right now and having more time. You know what I mean? Like, and then, then I'm like, what does Kat want? And what does Kat need? And I'm like, actually, that's not what I want, you know? But it's like this fantasy of like, but it's very easy for resentment to build if there isn't clarity and mutual understanding, mutual appreciation based on a shared vision. So all of these things require relationship development. Like you talked about before, it's like, if we don't take the time to get clear on our vision, to get clear on where we're going, all of these things, then that. I know we're a long way from the original hyper-independence no, question is, that you asked. This is great. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but it's, that's to me like where, where that all, all, all comes to it. We, the solution for that is more conscious clarity around what we want to create so we don't just automatically rebound based on reactivity. We can be like, ah, oh, okay, this is what's available what do we choose from here? Which is can be easier said than done. Do you know what I mean? Especially based on, like you said, the red thread, what we witnessed in our parents, what our grandmothers and grandfathers went through, like all of that stuff plays into really deeply held stuff. And unless we develop the emotional capacity to be with that, it's going to show up in reactive ways that we judge and we're going to end up in petty fights about shit that doesn't matter because we're not actually listening deeply enough to hear what's at the root of it all. Mm. And most people aren't listening deeply mm. with anything in their life, let alone their relationship, which often can come last. Yeah. We could go in so many directions from here. I love what you said about <laughs> conscious clarity of what you want to create. And if we think back to the 19th, you know, 1900s, 1800s, is it was like, well, the man just made the decision and the woman would just follow Whereas mm. we have such a different opportunity, like you said, you know, we can kind of have the cake and eat it too. Now we don't just have to bake the cake. We can eat it and top it with whatever we want. And there's so much opportunity and we could definitely like open a whole doorway of dating and talking about how 
I feel it's more challenging to date these days because there's so many options and there's so everyone's got maybe not great clarity, but everyone's got a different direction and their roles are different than what they once used to be. And how do we define that and come together as a, as a unity and a union. And so, yeah, there's a lot of confusion, Mm. but put your feelers out there, everyone, if you're, if you're dating, (laughs) be transparent and be open. But I wanted to ask you, Tully, this is fantastic. And I love all of your responses and, and shares. And I'm sure everyone's like juicing into all of this, but you mentioned about your core pillars before, and you said the village, right? We talked about the village mm. and the community and um, something that popped into my mind that I just remembered is that it's not just about your kids seeing you and your partner have a great relationship. I think it's also your kids seeing that you have a great friendship relationships mm. too, and that you, you know, it's modeling all the, t- all the types of relationships. So I think that's really important. But what are your other core pillars? Like what do you think are the top pillars when it comes to cultivating a thriving relationship, you know, once the men and the women understand their cycle? Yeah, yeah. As a as a framework. That's definitely part of it. That's why that's why I called in the big guns for for liberating love and how'd you come and how'd you come and share. So um core pillars in no particular order, I think. The first one for me is just having a framework. Like I said, we, we, we're flying blind, having a framework. And the framework I use is that person A, person B in the relationship, like understanding the three entities, because then all of a sudden we can, if there's only the two people, it's very easy to go at each other. Mm. Once we have the relationship entity, we can stand side by side and look at that and be like, oh, we're not communicating well. Cool. This is a relationship problem. This isn't a you need to open up more. This isn't a, you need to not be so sensitive. This isn't a me versus you. So having those three pillars is a really important start. And I add to that, I put those three in a a bigger circle and that's like the culture of the relationship or the environment of the relationship, which is just something to consider. That could be literally the physical environment. Where are you living? Are you living in a one bedroom unit in a city? Like that's going to impact your relationship and needs to be considered. Is there lots of financial stress? What's the village like? Because everything in our environment is either going to be relieving stress from the relationship or adding stress to the relationship. And if we don't take into consideration that, we are going to be playing it out without realizing it. Oh, this is all because we're stressed out of our heads financially. It's not you. It's not me. Okay. It's this thing. So zooming out and expanding our awareness before we get into the nitty-gritty how do we communicate better we need to zoom out so that's the the first one um the second one clarifying our relationship vision and values if we're not clear on where we're going and what we're co-creating we're going to get lost very easily and we're either creating something new or we're recreating the old And often recreating the old is shitty fights. Whatever the old is for you, whatever your relationship blueprint is, unless we are intentionally creating something new, we're going to recreate the old. So clarity around relationship vision is important because that requires individual vision clarity as well and Mm. goals. Like what are we wanting as individuals and what are we wanting together? There's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some differences. There should be healthy. Awesome. Um, Yeah, so there's that. And then there's understanding our blueprints, right? So understanding what is our relationship blueprint. And by that, what are our beliefs about relationship unconsciously? And this requires some 
you know, digging into, but most simply, like, what did I see? If my parents split up when I was five, if my parents fought all the time, then it's pretty safe to say that my unconscious would believe that there's lots of fighting in relationship, that relationships equal conflict, or that this is how you have conflict, or that conflict is bad because I saw it hurt mom and dad all the time. So we're going to have all these unconscious beliefs about relationship and communicating that we're bringing to our current relationship. If we don't have awareness about that, we're just going to bring them unconsciously and we're just going to play our old patterns that we saw. Okay. So expanding awareness around that. Um, then we've got the village. And then the, the last one is communication, right? Which embodies and encapsulates all, all of what we're doing. Like all of those things that I've already spoken about allows us to communicate more effectively. And that's like a whole, you know, another hour long podcast is diving into communication. An hour, add more to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Minimum. That's if I was talking as fast as I have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, like really nailing communication and having a model for that and learning how to conflict well, understanding there's nothing wrong with conflict. Conflict is a good thing. Mm. Conflict is a way to know ourselves. If we can do conflict well, conflict creates more connection. And Everybody knows this. They don't just know they know it. How many times have you been through a period of conflict, of hard times in your relationship? You get through it, you're more connected on the other side of it. That's obvious when we go through the big stuff, but that's available every time there's a little micro conflict. It's like that's there because we're not knowing something about ourselves and what we need or about our partner and what they need. So every time there's conflict, it's an opportunity to know ourselves and them in a deeper capacity and create more connection. And then when we have that lens, all of a sudden, we can start to communicate in a completely different way about it. Mm, I love your pillars. They're great. <laughs> so good. Really good. I'm sure everyone's listening to this. Oh my God, I've got so much to work on in my relationship. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so funny you say that because after I go through that, this is the very first module. At the very end, I'm like, have a specific video on don't get overwhelmed. <laughs> So I'm so glad you said that because once we start to look at it and open Pandora's box, it's like, oh, good Lord. Like, I want to close the box again. Yeah. But it's like that overwhelm is a normal part of the process. Like when we expand our consciousness, aka our awareness, that increases stress before it decreases stress. That's normal. So if that's happening, as you start to explore this stuff, breathe with it, look at it, notice it. It's normal part of the process. Keep going. Get the support you need. Do it in bite-sized chunks. Don't think you're going to fix all of your patterns and problems in the next three months because you won't. Probably won't even do it in the next 30 years, but you'll start. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like just start, take the pressure off. That overwhelm is a normal part of the process. Mm, I love that. And I always use the analogy of the tortoise and the hair race mm. and that this is a tortoise race. This is not a hair race. Like it's not about having the best relationship connection and communication and, you know, vision and all of the things. It's just making sure that you're working on it continually, continuously. And it's when you stop working on it, that's when you need to be really concerned, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because we, it's not about where we are. It's about the direction we're heading. Because mm. if we've got a nine out of 10 relationship, but we're flipping back to an eight out of 10 or a seven out of 10, that's going to feel distressing and horrible. 
Whereas if we're at a two out of 10 and things are really hard, but we're doing little bits and we're slowly moving towards a three, we're going to feel really good. So it's not about where we are. It's about exactly is our hat in the ring? Are we doing little things so that we can move in the direction that we want to go? Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions before we we wrap up. When it comes to, I have the same question for both females and males for heterosexuals Mm. is that what would you say to women Mm. that are looking at getting to know their own body better first and then getting to amp like you know desiring amplify that in their relationship whether they have a relationship right now or it's in the future Mm -hmm. what are like maybe one maybe two things you would say to women right now about, you know, open dialogue around the menstrual cycle, connecting and, you know, doing the things. Gotcha. So getting to know their own body. Oh, and I'd say you're definitely the, um, the I'd say go and chat to Gemma. She'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> but if someone came to you and was just like, all right, well, what's one thing or two things that I can do right now? Yeah. Like a client of yours comes to you and says, well, what are one or two things I can do right now? to create a thriving relationship as a woman yeah okay create a thriving relationship to me i would start especially bringing it back to the that original part of the question around the body is i would most people are operating way faster than they think they are and i would i would look at the self-care part of the equation and then getting more specific like breathing like if they don't have some sort of mindfulness breath practice that's where I guide people like I include breath work in the course because of that because unless we can actually tap into our physiology and relax and slow down we're not going to know what we feel because we're peaking out we're either feeling stressed or anxious we're in our head so whatever that person can do and it's different depending on you know the person and where they're at but the intention is to slow down and to develop some sort of practice. And this could be five minutes of rhythmic breathing or something simple. It doesn't have to be an hour-long morning routine. But slowing down and connecting more with their breath is the first port of call because that's going to expand their awareness. So that would be the next thing. The second thing, slow down, breathe, connect with their body more, and then reflect more often. So whether that's at the end of every day, be like, what was good today? what sucked today? Like what was good in my relationship? What do I want to celebrate about my partner? What do I want to celebrate? I'm I'm just giving random examples, but some sort of self-reflection at the end of each day, because that grows that awareness piece. And then when the awareness grows, then we can start to do something about it. So that would probably be, yeah, the first two things. Um, And I'm going to do a third is like, if they're not already talking about this because they've come to me to talk about it, I find out who else in their life they're talking to about it. And mm. if it's no one, it's like that needs to change too. Like, like the village, the village. Yeah. Yeah. So starting that. Um, so yeah, it's keep it simple, but slowing down the physiology. So we can talk into that listening, right? We need to quiet the noise a little bit and then have a practice. Like this is where some discipline and some structure comes into it. Like, especially parents, it's like, it's so easy. And I say this with compassion to get swept up in the chaos and you've got five minutes. If you don't have five minutes, you've got three. And if you don't have three, you can ask for three. Like it's there, 
it, it's if, if you've got the story, I don't have the time to look after myself. That's, that's got to shift and start with the micro. Yeah. yeah. Start with the micro. So that was that. way more than one or two, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, that was great. I was going to ask you the same question. Like, what would you say to men? But I think this answers it for, for all genders oh, yeah, really, yeah. really, really well. So you hit two yeah. birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like that saying, like, is it even possible to hit two birds with one stone? I don't know. And I don't really want to know. But anyway, you hit them both together. Yeah, Thank you. I got it done. You did. Um, Tully, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for all that you do and your gifts to the world. Tell everyone who's listened to this, who's like, shit, I need to take these courses and I need to learn how to do this, <laughs> this pillar work. Because I feel this, if you can work on this right now, if you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, I need to do this. Now is your opportunity to do the work. If if you're single, do it on yourself. Mm-hmm. And if your partner do it together as a team, because that's going to actually change your entire trajectory of life, I believe. Oh, hence yeah. why we started relationship development six months in. So, yeah. Um, how can people find you? Yeah, what's the best cool. platforms? Yeah, so I, I echo everything you said, and that's like, yeah, why I froth what I do so much because the ripple effect, like everything shifts, work shifts, business. Like if your highest value is business and making money, cool this stuff is going to help that. Do you know what I mean? Like it just touches everything. So um, yeah, I echo everything you shared. Um, Instagram in terms of socials is probably the best place. Um, Tully O'Connor, and I'm sure you'll, you'll drop it in. And then I've got relationship specific stuff at liberating underscore love. Um, and I've got a free training that everybody can get access to as well, um, where I dive into three, yeah, three of the pillars that I, that I touched on. Um, and the, yeah, the feedback from that training has been really, really good as well. So if people are like, if this is really resonating and they want to go access something straight away, then, then that's there as well. Um, so, and then I've got my podcast as well, which is thriving in fatherhood. And so, yeah, I love that. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of combos over there as well. So. Tali, thank you. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes. This has been amazing. I have a final podcast question for you mm-hmm. now. This is really a female menstrual question, but I'm going to flip it so it suits okay. you as a non-menstruator. I want you to think back to your younger teenage self when you went through puberty. Mm-hmm. What are three things you wish you had have known then about your transition into manhood that you mm. now know today? Oh, good question. Three things. Mm. Transition into manhood. Um, the first would have been just more, uh, education around sex, pleasure, like what it was. And I think the power of that energy of that aspect of life, like just Mm. in general, rather than like, there was not much guidance around that. I had an older brother, all of the usual suspects for sex education. Um, so like just more like. I would have loved a, yeah, like a rite of passage, I guess, like and, and more education around that. That would be the first thing. The second would be more understanding around women and what, what girls are going through, like around, because I had a, a sister, but she was seven years younger. So I would have appreciated that, I think. Um, purely because, yeah, that flying blindness, whether I recognized it or not, there was that feeling of like, well, I hope this is working. I hope like, you know, like, so more understanding around what was going on for women. Um, 
And then the final thing would be encouragement around accessing like my values, my vision, what I wanted to create. Because I was kind of doing that, but with no structure and no real masculine like guidance. Like I had my dad that I could go to and talk about, hey, I want to study this or that and, and amazing. But I feel like I would have loved, yeah, more structure around that um, to, to be doing that with peers in a bit more of a structured way. Yeah. The village. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. It's, um, it's questions because I normally ask it. What are three things you wish you had have known about your menstrual cycle and your period that you now know today? Uh, so it's right. very, it's very similar, um, but you know, from a male's perspective, so it's really beautiful. So thank you. And again, Tali, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your beautiful insights. Um, I'm sure everyone's taken so much out of this episode and seeing how it's really possible to have a thriving relationship. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I think I agree with what you said. It probably could have been a 40 hour podcast if we, if we had the space. <laughs> probably. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly. So you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.